Welcome back to another episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. This is our first episode for the month of March. And as many of you know, March is Women's History Month. And we at Brown Body Health and Fitness have had a lot of amazing women on the podcast as guests since we started. So we want to take this month and recognize all the amazing women that we've been able to work with and make this month all about the ladies. That's right. We have a full month planned of female guests only. We're starting off with an incredible story from one of the strongest people I've ever met, Emily White. Emily shares her incredible story from ATVing to tragedy, leading to an amputation, losing part of her leg, to stepping foot back on the softball diamond for the first time, all in the process of about a year during the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Emily's story is one that is super inspirational and one that gets me going and keeps me motivated and keeps me moving forward in my own day, in my own life, because she has such a strong will and such an amazing look at situations and life in general. I'm sure you're going to love this episode, but before we get to it, quick word from one of our sponsors. Emily, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you on today. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with your backstory, or maybe they haven't seen the news articles in uh, the Arizona News, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about what you've gone through since 2020? Yeah, 2020 was definitely a year um, when it rains, it pours. Um, So 2020 was the big, you know, COVID year. So basically the start of that was I was in the middle of my season, my sophomore season, and um, I was going to a JUCO. So I only played for two years anyways, but um, they cut that short just because of, you know, the outbreak and trying to keep everyone safe. So basically I was online you know, started summer, basically, I was two weeks into it, you know, my summer break, I guess you can say, it was Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, like a lot of people, you know, you go hang out with your family, go camping to the lake, whatever it is, my family, and I went with my friends too, we decided to go camping up in Munns Park, which is like Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, It was normal, we always did this, it wasn't anything different. And we decided to go for like a nighttime cruise through the forest, not going super crazy fast, not speeding, you know, doing donuts, whatever. It was getting, it definitely got dark fast. So obviously when you're driving it, it kind of sucks because you can't really see what's going on. And so uh, I was driving and it was a modified Jeep. I guess you can explain it like that. Uh, it was definitely a rock crawler. So it had like all the safety features. We didn't change any of that, had a roll cage, everything. And basically we were driving and it was on the side of a mountain. So the mountain was pretty steep. It was like straight, just straight down. And, but there was, you know, roads already paved into it. And so it was dark, you know, like I said, and we hit this rock in the middle of the road that kind of shifted us to the left side of the road while we were driving since we were driving up it you know the left side of the road was unfortunately the side of the mountain and so um it was definitely not even a wide path as it was 
but I guess the people up there were doing work on the road anyway. So there was heavy gravel and basically my front tires got stuck in the gravel since it bumped, it bumped us over there. So my back end basically started to skid, I guess, skid out is how you explain it. <laughs> and, um, you know, we were, I could tell we were going to roll cause I've been, you know, camping, doing all this since I was literally six. So it's kind of one of those things where you know what's happening, but you can't like put it into words to like tell everyone else. And so I corrected it just a hair because obviously we were going to go off the mountain if I kept it like that, because the back end was supposed to go off. And then, um, so when I corrected it, it moved the whole vehicle to the right side, which was into the mountain basically. So then we started rolling and we rolled, I think it was a total of three and a half times before it hit the mountain and came back down. So it would have been more. Um, but during, so I think it was the first roll I got ejected. I guess I was the only one that got ejected, you know, my luck. And uh, <laughs> I kind of landed. I just like, it was so crazy because it was slow motion you know, like movies, they show all this and like, you're like, there's no way that happens, but it hundred percent does. Like, it feels like everything's slowing down. And I was like in the air and I was like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden I'm just in the middle of the road. And then I literally see the car coming over my head and like down in front of me. Yeah. It was crazy. It like, so I tried to tuck my feet, you know, my legs into me. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to hit me. I fortunately, unfortunately enough, I did not make, you know, the make it in time. And so I tucked my right leg perfectly fine. My left leg, unfortunately, did not. So it ended up literally missing it by hair, just crushed basically my ankle and my foot. And then I just kept rolling on. And then um, there was three of my friends that were in the car, too. They didn't um, sustain really any injuries I know one of them he did because the car actually landed on him and so he actually had a I think it was a broken femur and so you know he's had to work with that and that was super tough but you know everything's happening at once I didn't fully <laughs> acknowledge my injury because you know all this adrenaline's going and like you have people screaming it's literally nighttime so you don't even know what's going on and the turn where it was it was kind of sharp so you know we're also freaking out to where one we need to call the rest of the people that were in the group so um my stepdad he was up in front with everyone else you know they were I was in the back you know the whole group and so we always wait for each other so it's not you know a super big deal but you know we were afraid people were going to come around the corner hauling and then just run me over you know that's another that's another problem and so but uh luckily you know we've taken a trail like this before and usually there's like no cell service whatsoever in the area literally nothing works like your phone doesn't even have bars and straight up says no service and so um fortunately <laughs> it's crazy because my phone was the only phone that was working. And we tried, you know, we looked at everyone's in the group and there said no service, but mine fortunately did. So like, that's super great. We all are still like shocked to this day that how does that even happen? And my phone actually 
was not broken, no scratches, nothing. It was laying right next to me, which is like, how does that even happen? But everyone else's was like, like my friends was completely bent, like so crazy. Um, so anyways, we called my dad, you know, he comes back and everyone starts filing back. And um, while he's coming back, you know, uh, my friend that was under the car, he was freaking out obviously. And, you know, you can do that. And so I'm hearing all this and I'm freaking out because they're freaking out. And so we all tried to lift, you know, the car up to like get him out of it basically. So my two friends were doing that. And then I tried, I literally got up. So I got up on my right leg and I had an open compound fracture. So it was literally sticking out everything, <laughs> but I didn't even acknowledge it. I just kind of like looked fast and I like looked at the situation and um, there was some, obviously, so I was bleeding. Um, but when I stood up, to try to go help them. Basically, obviously I tried to like go forward and then I fell down. And then when I fell, I my leg landed at like a 90 degree or less angle. So in towards me and actually doing that, a lot of my doctors and EMT, everyone, they said that that saved my life because I was supposed to bleed out. <laughs> and so, but like doing that, I like completely cut off the artery I think it is that you know I was supposed to bleed out and so that was fortunate enough so basically me trying to help him save my life which is you wouldn't even think of that but you know so I'm like laying there everyone's coming up to me because they like they're like oh my gosh Emily like you know they're now realizing that and um what was it you know, my friend, my best friend, Alexis, she was in it and she was yelling at me because I was trying to help. And she's like, yours is worse. Yours is worse. Calm down. Like, you're fine. Like, you need to just stop. And so, you know, I'm like sitting there freaking out. Everyone pulls in and then we have all these people around me. We call 911 and, you know, they come and it took them probably 45 minutes at least to get there because we were in the middle of the forest. I was supposed to be air backed, but there was no place to land. And so that was definitely um, an experience and it was freezing at night. And so, you know, they're cutting off all my clothes and I'm like <laughs> literally naked in the forest. So I was like naked and afraid basically. <laughs> and, um, so I remember laying there and, you know, everyone's like around me doing their thing. And what is it? I'm like, you know, hopped up on these pain meds, like started feeling it, you know? And so they get me on the van and everything. So we're riding through all these bumps and that was so bad, so bad. I felt every single like gush of air, every single, like just someone's breath on me. It was so bad. And um, just because we had to ride over all those bumps and it was like moving my leg. But anyways, we get there and it's peak of COVID, you know, so my family's trying to get in there with me. I was in the, um, what is it called? The emergency room ICU type of thing. And so it was so bad. <laughs> I was just sitting there. I didn't know what was going on because they didn't have time to really explain anything because 
you know, I was still bleeding out and everything. And so um, they had to, so they reset my leg while they were doing a COVID test on me. So I had no idea that this was going to happen. Right. And so I'm laying there and I'm like doped up on these pain meds and I'm like, hi, I was literally trying to shake people's hands. Like, hi, my name is Emily. Like, who are you type of thing? Cause I'm all out of it. And, um, you know, I had like this nurse lady trying to calm me down and I'm like, what are you trying to calm me down for? Like, I'm just chilling here. <laughs> and, um, so they like grab my head and I'm like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> crazy. And then they grab my foot and they're like on the count of three. And I was like, what's on the count of three. And then they just did it. And I just was screaming bloody murder. It was one of the nose COVID tests. So it was, they like shoved that thing way up there, but that was a fun time. And then obviously I had my debridement surgeries and everything. Um, I had a total of, I want to say six surgeries, which isn't a lot for two weeks. That's kind of a lot. Um, so I definitely, that was a pain just having to deal with all that. I was in the Flagstaff hospital. I forgot what specifically it was called. Um, but they transported me down to St. Joseph's for the plastic surgeon and basically the other surgical team, (laughs) I guess they were like top notch. That was also, um, my experience wasn't really the greatest just because it was COVID and I didn't really have anyone there. So during my, that whole incident, you know, it was 2020, I was 20 years old. Technically I'm legal, you know, I'm an adult but it's definitely like you're fresh out the gates adult. So, you know, you have all these papers you're signing, people are talking to you and they wouldn't even allow shoot for my mom to even be in there to help explain things or like, you know, kind of walk me through what was happening. So that, I don't even know how they did that to be honest. (laughs) Cause I was literally falling asleep. Like people would call me and my phone was being blown up. So I, I didn't answer anyone because I couldn't even stay awake for a normal conversation. I would fall asleep talking to the nurse and she was like, okay, like, <laughs> so there's nothing you can really do about that. But, um, so yeah, I was at St. Joseph's for like a week and a half. I want to say, um, that it, it was just COVID. So it was crazy. Obviously they're mo- more focused on probably, I want to say the COVID patients, Um, which is fine. You know, there's people with worse things out there, but I was kind of neglected as like being treated as like a patient, like a person. And so unfortunately, you know, being 20 years old, you know, before my accident, I didn't really kind of say like what I wanted or whatever. I very go with the flow. You know, I still am. But um, during this time I had to step it up and like, really learn to advocate for myself because no one's there to even help me. And so, so my surgical team, they were telling me coming up with all these plans to fix my ankle and fix, you know, it's like my shin too and everything. It's it was very draining, like, you know, scientifical words coming at you and you're like doped up on pain meds and you're just like, what, like, what is he, what are you even saying? And so um, and you know, the nurses, they're busy, they have better things to do. And so 
the whole bedside manner was kind of not really there, unfortunately. So it was really gross. I didn't like take a shower. Like no one gave me a shower or anything for two weeks. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was kind of crazy. But uh, I remember one of the nurses, she said that she didn't want to do the whole shower and like help me because my hair is long. And so she like, <laughs> so she's like, oh, can't do that. can't do that. And I was like, okay, like whatever. So I was definitely like a disgusting patient you know, <laughs> that probably no one wanted to even be around. But um, so with surgeons, a lot of people don't know, you know, unless you have some big surgery to where you want to like change something or something really bad happens to you. Um, so their job is to like fix, 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 you know, they don't really focus on what would help the patient themselves and like what would kind of benefit them for what they need in life. My surgical staff, that's what they did. They fix, 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 right? So they were coming up with all these plans. They were telling me they we're going to have someone from California fly out to like help and do all this. And um, I wasn't really fond of the way they were talking about it because, you know, as a patient, you have your right to know, okay, like, what if that doesn't work? What's going to happen? Or like, so basically I was losing uh, blood flow. My ankle was dying. So it was, the whole thing was turning white, super crazy. And, you know, they're trying to fix all these like arteries, move them, but there was nothing you could do. It was literally dying. And so it was going to be, I think they call it a club foot to where it like drags. And I didn't want that. You know, I'm literally like my season got cut short. I'm in college softball. Like, you know, everything happens in a matter of seconds. Like didn't even picture this happening at all. And, um, so when they like told me that I was like, wait a minute. Like, so you're telling me that I won't even be able to walk. Like I was just walking the other day. Like, what are you talking about? They, you know, they were so stubborn. They were, I had them talk to my family because I was not, oh, what, like I was awake, but not like, I guess coherent is the word or something whatever. Um, and so in order to get my family to know what's going on too, I just, I was like, you know what, tell them everything you're telling me, <laughs> whatever. And so they told them and my family kind of had to walk me through it over the phone because I could only FaceTime them. They were like telling me that they wanted to save my ankle and the rest of my leg that was, you know, hurt. And so with that, they needed I was missing two inches of bone. So they needed to go into my right leg and then my pelvis. But then they said that with that, you know, being a female, if I want kids in the future, that would kind of be very painful and like wouldn't be able to do that basically. Like I could basically break my pelvis, try like carrying a kid. Basically, that's what they told me. And so I was like, okay, like that's a lot of information taken. And then they wanted, um, what is it? A skin graph from my butt cheek. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, you know, I would have had that. And then they needed all the muscle there too. So they were planning on taking my whole lat just to fix that. And so that was, you know, several more surgeries that 
I would have been out for a long time. I would probably still are just getting over recovering from all that. And so for me, I was a college athlete and I'm like, you want so many things done. And, um, you know, my doctors, they were like, oh, we haven't done this before. So, you know, all these doctors are like fascinated, wanting to get in on this and like find, you know, a solution, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But then when I wanted to sit down and have like a genuine conversation with someone on my surgical team, they kind of stopped me and like cut me short when I said, you know, hey, what if I do just amputate? Like there's the Paralympics, like people are obviously doing this, like they're still doing things. And so um, my surgical team did not like that. They were very, um, one of them was very mad at me and just was like not having it. So I actually fired him. <laughs> and so um you know because I I didn't really like the way he was talking to me or you know he wasn't really listening to like what I wanted in life so it wasn't even in that situation um I like told him I was like I want my lifestyle back not well obviously my foot but but not like I care more about what I was able to do than what I looked like I guess you can say he didn't like that at all. <laughs> and so, um, you know, people, it's so much is going on. Everyone gets frustrated, which is totally understandable. You know, there's so much other things to worry about. So um, in the heat of the moment, you know, dealing with everyone, I actually fired <laughs> several of my nurses and stuff off my team too, <laughs> just because of like the way everything was going down and just the lack of like empathy that they had they just kind of saw me as like like my surgical staff I felt saw me as a scientific experiment you know something to mark off as I did that I helped that girl and like now she's playing you know she's playing softball again or whatever and so that kind of like hurt me when I like finally understood that you know because they were all competing to work on me and it's like why like that's not the point I reached out to actually her name is Alyssa Seely. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's she does the triathlons for Paralympics. Um, I believe she actually just won gold. She's amazing, phenomenal. She's actually from Arizona too. One of my old friends, his mom actually had her reach out to me because she was his teacher. So small world, but um, she basically told me how you know life goes on. It's obviously it sucks in the moment and there's like times where yeah like you hate it but it's not a big deal you know type of thing um with that I just kind of like so I had to do my own research for everything which is kind of crazy because all I had was my phone <laughs> and so I'm like doped up on all these meds and everyone's talking to me coming in my room at all times of the day you know doing blood work and everything and I just started looking up Paralympic athletes and like kind of watching videos. And I'm like, oh, like that's really inspiring. Like they obviously have their own stories. So like I could essentially be doing the same. And so um, I actually talked to a few more amputees. They, they went on with their life. You know, it's, it's obviously different, but it's not, it's not a huge difference. I mean, it becomes, you know, obviously it's not normal than what you're used to, but it becomes your new normal. And so 
it's not a big deal. And that's what I tell people, but I mean, I guess some people look at it as being a big deal, <laughs> but um, definitely not for me. I mean, I think I had more of like a, I'm just gonna do it. I'm a just do it type of person <laughs> without like complaining and, you know, cause it could have been worse. That's what I also tell people is that I was supposed to die, you know? And so like, I kind of believe like everything happens for a reason. And so, you know, obviously, obviously it's not <laughs> what I wanted to happen, but it happened. So I can't control what happens to me, but more so how I react and respond to it. And so by me being like sad and bitter and, you know, some people just don't want to talk about it and don't want to, they just sit and like be sad. That's no one wants to be around that. So Right. Well, Emily, you have been on quite the journey. Uh, it's yeah. just astonishing. Uh, I, I have to say it kind of rubs me the wrong way. It cracks me up anyways, that you show up to the hospital with a traumatic leg injury. And the first thing they're worried about is doing the COVID test. Yes. <laughs> me, no, literally. Like, yes. It's bigger fish to fry than finding <laughs> out if someone has COVID when they have like a literal like open fracture crush injury compound fracture mm. of you know your whole like lower leg really uh foot and lower leg uh so that really stood out to me and overall like your perspective throughout all of this is just incredible i cannot imagine what it must have been like to be 20 years old like you said in the hospital this is your first time really handling anything of your own health and medical on your own and what yeah. what a time to have to face all of that between covid and just the surgical teams like you said they really had a focus on fix and they didn't ever really seem to place your wants desires uh at the forefront as you said this mm -hmm. this tends to be a problem i've noticed uh, in general, amongst certain individuals in healthcare, we get very caught up and fascinated by, you know, a certain patient case, and we become so attached to the case that we forget about the patient. And sometimes it's not about what we want, but what the patient wants. And that was a big inspiration for me to start this business and this podcast is people never, it, I won't say never, but people really struggle with looking at a person holistically and looking at all aspects of that person's life and what can be done to improve their quality of life. But ultimately, it's the person's decision on whether or not mm -hmm. to do those things. It's the person's decision. Uh, and I say person, not patient, because before someone is a patient, they are a person. And we kind of forget that whole person first mentality, it seems. People should have all the options available to them. But ultimately, they should be the ones that make the decision, not the surgical and medical team. Because as you said, that could have been the type of procedure that they hang their hats on for the rest of their career but you would have been miserable. You would still be mm -hmm. in recovery. And just the different things that you've talked about, they're pulling bone from the pelvis, literally taking the entirety of the lat muscle and a skin graft from the glute. Like that just, to me, that sounds like a miserable recovery. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we think about the glutes and well, we kind of need that skin there to sit down and well, we, we all have to have skin there to cover it. And I just wonder what it would have been like waiting, you know, months and months for that to heal for you. Probably not very pleasant. Uh, you talked yeah. about the pelvic, the pelvic bone density uh, as it relates to pregnancy and all that. 
and you know we don't have to discuss your personal interests here but like a lot of girls want to have kids in the future or at least want mm-hmm. that to be a possibility and the thought at you know 20 years old that that possibility just completely vanishes is kind of scary uh, to put it one way mm-hmm. and missing your entire lap obviously with softball it's a very rotationally dominant sport right you throw across your body you swing a bat across mm-hmm. your body so taking out like completely taking out one of the largest muscles in your body that happens to be involved in all of those things uh, would certainly have hindered your ability to play sports and return to the level of health and fitness that you are at right now, or at least that I've seen you at. And Mm -hmm. it's this whole journey just really stands out to me. Uh, Just everything about it from you calling your own shots and taking control of your own health at age 20, doing your own research while hopped up on who knows what kind of chemical concoction, you know, higher than a kite, doing your own research from probably an iPhone uh, in the hospital. Like, it's just incredible to me how you have stuck with, you know, a journey of perseverance and really beat back the obstacle that was thrown in your way. You know, like you said, you're not what has happened to you, but you are who you've chosen to become. Absolutely, yeah. And your perspective still, uh, it just, I I can't imagine being in your shoes and being like, you know what, there's someone that has it worse than me right now, right? Most people do not think about that. Most people don't think like that. So that's a amazing perspective to be in a situation where you're like, you know what, I might end up losing my leg, but at least I'm alive. Someone else might have it worse. Like, that's incredible. Not many people think like that, especially at your age. Well, I mean, I guess it's more of so um, I always grew up, you know, my mom always told me that, you know, you think it's a bad day, you know, it's a bad day. It's not, not a bad life. And so um, obviously now more so than ever, I do treat time and everything as a gift, you know, because you're not guaranteed every single day. You're not even guaranteed the next hour. And so it's crazy how literally in seconds, it could change just like that. Like I said, I was, I literally got into the vehicle walking totally fine. I literally just ate dinner, like totally normal day. And then all of a sudden, not even a couple hours later, I'm in the ER, like no one would even think of that. And so just little things like that. And obviously I'm not saying that, you know, what I went through and like what I have is not bad because there are bad you know, days where it does suck and it's not, you know, all butterflies and rainbows, unfortunately, but you just got to keep rolling with the punches. So you definitely do. Now, have you returned to uh, off-roading, four-wheeling, ATVing or whatever it is we call driving in Arizona? (laughs) So my family actually got rid of all of our ATVing stuff for obvious reasons. I have yet to return to do that um, just because I've been busy. Um, I actually returned to play in my last year of softball. So I was kind of, you know, busy doing all that and kind of focusing on that perspective, um, that going back and doing that, even, even driving on like freeways and stuff, or even taking, you know, turns, I'm still with that PTSD, like it's, it is a real thing, like that PTSD, to where I'll like grab onto something or 
even when other people drive I'm like slow down slow down you know like type of thing because it is scary like weird how your body remembers that you know obviously I can do it still like I've done it every day before but my body's more so in fact of like don't do that again like that caused that so like stay away from that so but I definitely do want to return to do that because that's something my family and I always did as something fun in our free time that's definitely going (laughs) going to be an emotional day for sure but yeah I definitely plan on returning to do that just haven't been able to do that with school and everything right now Right, right. But you have been able to return to softball, as you said, and working out and really bettering your health and fitness. So for people who haven't seen your journey on Instagram, what's that been like? What are you able to do now that, you know, people are still kind of like baffled by? So um, when, you know, I was in the hospital talking to all my doctors and having all these other doctors, I guess, consult me and all this, basically their opinions. I asked them if there was a chance of me playing softball again. Literally every single one of them straight up said no. And so that was like, what? Like, what do you mean no? Like, and I'm, I would show them videos. I'm like, there's people running. There's people swimming. There's people doing all these crazy things. And they're missing the same parts I am. Like, I say it parts. <laughs> it's like, I was like, it's a car or something. But um. I I guess I, well, even that I tell people I'm like a Lego, you know, I put different legs on for different things. Like it's, it's cool. I think it's really fascinating how like technology and everything evolved um, to help us do what we want to do. And so, you know, returning back to my season, it was obviously COVID still going on. So it was still like that hesitant period. I really, 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 really pushed with my physical therapist Um, I was supposed to be in there for a while, they said, but I was, I guess, going through everything super fast. And I was like regaining my strength because I was working not only there, but like outside of physical therapy because I wanted it. Um, I wanted to get back to normal. And it's just, you feel very bleh, you know, being like an athlete and going to the gym every day, not being able to even get out of the chair is like very hard. And me as a person, it's hard for me to ask for help, you know, with certain things. And so having to, you know, rely on like my parents to help me and even my friends, it's like very difficult. And so when I came to, um, I call it my team. Uh, so it was my team of, you know, my prosthetist, my surgeon that, that finally did my procedure and everything. And basically all my normal doctors, they were definitely very not worried but cautious you know because this was I literally got this idea three and a half four months after my final surgery so and that at that time I was literally in the gym that's when I finally started going back to it and I was just lifting and I remember like staying there I was working out legs you know and I was lifting more than like these guys that were next to me and I'm like standing there and I'm like wow like I was actually like shocked and I had these um older gentlemen actually come up to me and they were impressed too with like the weight and like the things that I was still doing and you know I've done it before so I didn't really think anything of it 
and you know they were telling me their stories and how crazy it is to see someone with like that type of thing do all that versus them they always told me that and they they still do that they um kind of feel like crap like they think that they should be doing more because they see me doing this and you know I do have to tell them that I am young and that I do have you know everyone's different so it's not like I guess this really isn't like a normal thing but um so when I was in there I was I got back in my car when I was done and I was like they're right and the guy when I was in there working out he said you know he knew I played softball and he asked me if I was going to be playing a slow pitch league we you know and so me I got all fired up and you know because I played college fast pitch you know I wasn't even a year out from it and I was like slow pitch what are you talking about like I I just got so insulted from that and I'm like what do you think I can't play fast pitch you know and then he was like explaining how I couldn't play it anymore and all this and I was like you don't even know me you know you don't know what I can do or like what I'm able to do and so I just I thought that was crazy and then I literally called everyone on my way home everyone thought I was crazy they thought that I was gonna try it and then it'd be one of those things as it didn't work out or I would get frustrated I'm just like you know what I'm done you know type of thing but no I stuck it out um so before this I was an outfielder and so coming back into softball I did have to change like I said, it wasn't even a year after my surgery, I started playing again. And so it definitely was a difference with that. Um, I tried outfield for a solid week when I came back. Um, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I definitely fell face first in the grass a lot, you know, trying to adjust running with my blade and everything. But um, I ended up being able to play infield, um, which I haven't done since oh my gosh, my freshman year of high school and it, you know, years later. So it was definitely different, but um, it was fun. And now even, I guess the big difference, like adjusting with everything athletic and softball wise is people's reactions and their opinions and thoughts on me uh, more so than the physical aspect of it. And so I'm not one that likes to be the center of attention. I don't really like everyone to, you know, let's gather around Emily type of thing. Um, and so having all that attention on me was a lot and it was very overwhelming. And even going into softball, I didn't tell anyone that I was playing. I didn't tell anyone that I was playing. Like my whole, like I said, my team, we kept it more a secret just because I didn't want all this pressure build up on, you know, what I was. And so I was this collegiate athlete that played outfield, all this. Um, and so I didn't want to come back into it and then kind of set myself up for disappointment. Um, and so, but I didn't, so that's good. And um, basically, you know, when I first came back, I didn't even tell my team, like my physical team that I played on, no one even knew. I just kind of showed up and they, they actually thought I was helping coach out, uh, help coach. and. I, you know, I just grabbed a glove and I started taking grounders and everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you over here? And I was like, what are you talking, like, I'm on the team. Like, and I was like, okay, next one. Like I was taking grounders, like it was nothing. And so, um, you know, everyone, there was, you know, 
I was fortunate enough to have so much support behind a lot of it, but then there was also that side of people being very, not like judgmental, but very quick to assume the worst of me and very, you know, oh, she can't do that. So then they would just like, you know, they think I can't grab something or pick something up or whatever. So they would do it. And so that got very frustrating because, you know, like you said, I'm not, you know, just because I look like that doesn't mean I am disabled. Like I laugh when people call me, <laughs> like when people are like, oh, you're handicapped. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think it's funny because technically I am, you know, legally labeled as a handicapped, you know, disabled person. But I tell people I'm very able, like I do everything the same, just a little bit different. You know, I might feel the grounder differently than someone else, but I get the job done. So Right. You wow. still do it. You are still capable and able mm -hmm. to do not just what everyone else does, but in some cases more than other people mm -hmm. do, right? You deadlift yeah. over 200 pounds. Not many mm -hmm. girls I know deadlift over 200 pounds, even after going to the gym for a long period of time, let alone deadlift over 200 pounds after losing a leg and being hospitalized for weeks and having to go through a extensive rehab process. Like it is truly incredible how far you have come and it certainly seems like this has been as much of a mental challenge for you as a physical challenge because of everything you've just been talking about people who seem to have count counted you out people who are like yeah you know she's different now people who don't mm -hmm. understand your perspective and don't see the potential of who you could become they look at where you were in the past and where you are now and they think, wow, those two things don't match up, don't align, instead of, wow, this happened to her, and here's where she's going. Here's what she's going to be. Here's who she's going to become. I, I don't know why it is that we as a society have very become hyper-focused, it seems, on the past and the present, right? We judge people based on their past, and we live in the moment, uh, at least many people do, and we kind of forget that kind of long-term picture when it comes to things. Uh, but clearly that lack of kind of bigger picture focus and looking at an entire person like we talked about earlier uh, has certainly led to a whole lot of mental challenges and roadblocks for you, it seems. Oh, yeah. And like yeah. I said, I think more so, um, you know, growing up, even in schools, you're not more aware of people with disabilities and you're not, you know, it's not a normal thing that you see very often and so I think it's funny I also um, I work at a gym and so just you know a lot of people that I see and I know as amputees now I never really thought of it before but a lot of them do wear pants and stuff to like cover that because people are very judgmental and quick to act and you know a lot of people won't even talk to you because of that which is mind-blowing um because they think it, you know, affects everything else. But uh, like I going back to like the whole school thing, a lot of parents aren't really teaching their kids that there are different people. And like, just because they're different, it doesn't mean you treat them differently than you would, you know, your best friend and wouldn't, or your neighbor or anything. And so even at my work, it's funny when, you know, little kids, they're very blunt. They say <laughs> everything that they see, you know, they say it how it is, which I love that. And so, you know, little kids, they'll see my leg and they're like, 
you know, their eyes get super huge and they're like, oh my gosh, like mom, what's wrong with her leg? You know, cause it's different. And right. so a lot of like, a lot of people take offense to that. I honestly never have because, you know, when I was a kid, I was curious too. So, I mean, like anyone, like I have no problem saying what happened. You know, I don't mind sharing my story, but it's very funny how, you know, parents, they're very quick to, you know, push their kid away, be like, shh, you know, type of thing. And then it's more like, to me, that's more embarrassing than just telling your kid like, oh, like, why don't you ask her? Like, you know, I feel like people would have a different reaction with that instead of just making it, you know, I'm standing right there and I see you shush your kid for wanting to know what happened. But it's like, as a society, I feel like we're kind of pushing those thoughts and ideas to the side when really it is a, an issue because, you know, like I said, it's not really fair for amputees to kind of have to like hide themselves to, in order to like feel good and like live their normal day. Like I could never wear pants every day in Arizona. It's hot. Like yeah. it's crazy. I, and so I, I just wear shorts and, you know, I kind of developed that I don't care mentality. Like you're going to look anyways. So, you know, why should your opinion matter to me? Like your opinion doesn't have to make me happy. And so it, it all goes back to that. And just, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that and how they do things and like how it would affect other people. So I just, I think that it should be more like taught just by people just to be more aware. It so. definitely should. I could not agree more. And that's the kind of thing that you don't really learn about or appreciate until it happens mm -hmm. to you or someone you know, right? It's yeah. not just something that, like you said, it's not taught in schools. It's not anything that people think about. It just sort of happens someday. And Yeah. And it definitely, like, you know, you're not going to teach your kids like, oh, you're going to see people that are going to look like this. And then you have a picture, like, you don't see it every day. Like I said, it's not a normal thing to see amongst, you know, one out of three people type of thing, but just making people aware, like, Hey, there are people like this out there. And it's, you know, they, they just don't, their reaction, to everything, it does make a difference. And I'm sure they don't mean it that way. They're not trying to be, you know, I always tell people, you know, when I've had some very rude comments made towards me and very rude questions, um, asked to me, you know, especially being a girl, it's crazy the amount of questions that I've gotten and what they're about, but I always try to like, think of them as, you know, they're just curious They, you know, I would want to know too. And so it's more so like how you go about the question. Like if you just come up to me and you're like, Oh, what happened to your leg? Like, why do you look like that type of thing? Then yeah, I'm going to give you a response that you probably don't want to hear versus like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, um, I was just curious, like, can you, do you mind sharing like your story, what happened or whatever? Like, it's more respectful the way you go about things versus like just shushing someone and like pushing them off to the side. Right. Now what's next for you, Emily? We've talked about your past, your present. What's the future looking like? What's the next <sighs> obstacle or next road that you're going to climb? Oh, that's so right now. I'm kind of taking a break from the specific athletic. Well, so I still go to the gym every day and I still do all that, but more so I'm taking a break from the sport 
competing type of thing. Um, right now I'm in ultrasound school. And so that does take a lot of my time. And, you know, I do help coach out softball. I, I do help <laughs> coach softball um, whenever I can and whenever, you know, they allow it. When I competed in my last season, me competing was a very controversial thing. And so um, it was very different. So I was the first female amputee that was competing in a collegiate fast pitch softball, you know, sport. And so that's a huge thing. It brought people were giving me good looks, dirty looks, everything. Like I had comments across the board. I still get comments to this day about what I did and how I did it. But, um, you know, like I said, to every good side, there is a bad side. And so um, some of the comments that I did receive on the bad side of it, it did kind of affect my appreciation for the game and like coaches and everything and like just the way people see me. And so, um, you know, like I said, people aren't aware of how they react to things. And so it was different, like adjusting to that. I feel like right now I'm just letting it play out and fizzle down from, you know, being this crazy thing, uh, just going back to normal life. But I do want to start training. I don't know. I, I can't say anything yet because I'm not 100% sure if I want to or not. But I was looking into maybe trying to compete in running for maybe qualifying for the Paralympics. So I don't know. I don't know if that's still something that I'll be able to do or how, I don't even know how that works, but um, you know, that'll be another time to figure out, but definitely still keeping my mind open to anything with that realm and just kind of like being there for other, you know, athletes and especially young girls with like different, you know, when you're a little girl, you get all these, you have to be this, this, this type of thing. And, you know, even society doesn't even look at girls playing sports a lot. It's more so popular with guys doing something. And so even adjusting to that as a girl is very different. So right now my focus is going to be helping that generation with like, you know what, hey, she can do it. So can I type of thing. And so that's probably more of a focus right now, but We'll see what happens. The sky is certainly the limit for you, Emily. It seems like you've been through it all already and you're just going to keep going. It's uh, like I said, you certainly have an incredible journey and you show no signs of slowing down now. Do you have any kind of takeaways or closing remarks that you want people listening to remember about you? There's so much, you know, like you said, you don't really realize how good you have it or how you handle things until it happens to you. Um, and so, like I was talking about earlier with people's reactions to something different, I feel like people should be just more aware of how they treat people. So more so put yourself in their shoes type of thing. Um, I definitely cannot express this enough to people like taking each day as a gift, because like I said, you never know what's going to happen next. You know, everyone, I feel like everyone says that and it's like a, such a cliche thing to say, but 
it really is something that like dwells because um, you don't you don't think about it and you don't think about like for example I was playing collegiate softball and like going to the gym normally and then all of a sudden boom this happens and then missing part of my leg <laughs> and so it does it does throw you in for a loop um but I think like part of that is you shouldn't let it stop you for you know what people's opinions and thoughts are at, on the whole subject as a whole it shouldn't matter what they say or think because at the end of the day it's what makes you happy who cares like no one's gonna remember what you looked like or anything it more so matters what you said to them and so I think that's definitely something that I take away and I try to even tell my family with like meeting someone new or whatever like just be more mindful of like how you go about things because you know at the end of the day and like even in high school no one remembers who you were what you wore or you know, your status was or anything. It just, it's more so how you treated them and how you, like what you said to them and all that. And so, I don't know, it's just something to be more mindful of. There's nothing really specific that I can like tell someone like, do this, do this, but um, more so just be mindful of like, you know, how a lot of people take for granted, like what a gift it is to wake up every single day and like, be able to walk down the hall or walk to the mailbox or even other things like being able to see or hold things and stuff like that. It's just all I feel like taken for granted sometimes. Definitely. Those are great takeaways. And your whole journey and everything that you've shared really reminds me of what I call stoic philosophy. I think that's what it's commonly known as. Um, I really like reading and enjoy that sort of thing. And Marcus Aurelius, one of the most famous Stoics, had this paragraph that I am going to try and remember, but I might butcher a thing or two here, so forgive me. But it goes something like, our actions may be impeded, but there can be no impeding our intentions or dispositions because we can accommodate and adapt. The mind adapts mm -hmm. and converts its own purposes, the obstacle to our acting. The Im impediment to action therefore advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way forward. And this is someone who's faced countless wars, uh, one of the world's most deadly plagues, you name it, he's faced it all. And I can't help but think of you when I think of that and read that because you literally had all of this happen to you during a pandemic and you have truly faced it all and you are not a idle person nothing has broken you and I don't think anything will ever break you. You continue to take action, continue to persevere and cultivate a incredible mindset and incredible discipline and continue to take action and have a discipline of will that very few people have, uh, it seems anymore. So Emily, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and those listening. And thank you for being the incredible person that you are. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you again in the future and uh, working with you again in some capacity. Thank you. Thank you for having me too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share this episode with a friend 
who you think would like to hear Emily's story. Make sure you follow Emily on Instagram and make sure you're following us at Braun Body on Instagram and TikTok and all your favorite social media platforms as well. Last, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you left a five-star review. That way we can continue to grow and expand our audience and help more people achieve their health and fitness goals and live their best life. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.